Welcome to the second season of The Sip, the Smart Institute podcast. In this season, we invite you to get to know our young scholars in small sips. In each episode, we will feature a PhD candidate or early career scholar from the Department of Communication and Journalism at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem to tell you about their research through a set of five seemingly simple questions. Blake Hallinan researches how technologies such as ratings, reviews, engagement metrics, and recommendation systems shape cultural notions of value and worth. Blake is currently a postdoctoral research fellow in the Digital Values Project, but will take on a new role in the department as a senior lecturer this fall. Say you're sharing a taxi ride with a leading scholar in your field. You have about two minutes before you reach your destination. How would you describe your research to your co-passenger? The big question guiding my research is, how do digital technologies shape culture? I focus on technologies of evaluation, or the application of techniques, skills, or processes to judge the value of someone or something. Of course, technologies of evaluation are not exclusive to digital culture. Think of hiring and promotion practices or the New York Times bestseller list. But digital culture has significantly contributed to making technologies of evaluation more ubiquitous, more intensive, and more generalized, to say nothing of more financially lucrative. Let me explain. How are you feeling? What do you think about this? Would you like to see more? Questions a close friend might ask have been incorporated into the very infrastructure of online platforms. We are invited to review products purchased and services received, to rate the latest television show or blockbuster movie, and to like posts on social media with the click of a button or the tap of a screen. At the same time, the opportunity to evaluate is bound up with the obligation to be evaluated. Whether selling services or creating content, your online actions are subject to quick, easy, and quantifiable modes of evaluation that influence reputation, visibility, and support human decision-making. I explore all of these transformations through uh, the study of infrastructure, user-generated content, and public controversies. With infrastructure, I look at how technological systems measure value and how people navigate such measures in return. With user-generated content, I approach messages shared to social media as little assertions of value, employing the analytics of genre and ritual to look at patterns in the evaluative criteria people evoke. And with public controversies, I use moments of disruption to examine platform values, norms, and expectations that would otherwise remain hidden or overlooked. What brought you to this research subject? I got my master's degree from the now-deceased Department of Communication and Culture at Indiana University. Early in that program, maybe back in 2012 or 2013, I was taking a film class with Greg Waller. Now, I am not a film scholar. I don't really have the technical vocabulary to describe what happens on screen, and my knowledge of movies, contemporary and historical, is idiosyncratic at best. 
so I was a little concerned about how I was going to write a seminar paper for this film class. I started brainstorming things that were related to film, but not film, and I thought of Netflix. Seemed promising, and definitely more internet-y, so I started reading the Wikipedia page and stumbled across the Netflix Prize, an open-source competition sponsored by the company to develop a better recommendation engine. I was immediately obsessed. I was also taking a class with Ted Strefus on algorithmic culture at the time, and everything seemed to just fall into place. Ted and I went on to co-author a paper on the Netflix Prize. I followed Ted to the University of Colorado Boulder to work on my PhD, and there I met Jed Brubaker and Casey Fiesler, who introduced me to the world of information science. I wrote my dissertation on the like button, and I've been able to connect my work on evaluation with values here at the Hebrew University, thanks to Limor Schiffman and the Digital Values Project. So TLDR, I came to this research because I really, really, really didn't want to write a paper about film. What was the most surprising or unexpected finding? Liking, as it exists on social media as this ambiguous but quantifiable kind of positive evaluation, isn't natural. This part is not surprising. But what is surprising is that liking has a long history that goes back before social media, before the web, before even the internet. In my dissertation, I traced the like button back to the Lazarsfeld-Stanton Program Analyzer, a device created for audience research back in the 1930s. The device consisted of a series of like and dislike buttons connected by wires back to a central box that would record the use of the buttons over time, much like a seismograph records disturbances during an earthquake. Researchers would use the program analyzer with focus groups and have them watch or listen to a broadcast and register their likes or dislikes along the way with a simple push of a button. And yet, while it is technically simple to press or not press a button, determining when to do so, let alone deciding what to do with that information after the fact, is entirely a different matter. Even with researchers providing instructions on how and when to push the button, people would respond in all kinds of unintended or unanticipated ways, such as this one person who held down the like button for the entire episode of their favorite show. Similarly, while researchers touted the utility of the device for advertisers and media executives, writers and other creatives bristled at its imposition and questioned the usefulness of the graphs it created. One director made public documentaries described having to justify the strongly negative audience reaction to one of his productions on the horrors of war. So the negative reactions were entirely the point, but at odds with an ideology of maximizing audience satisfaction. I find the Lazarsfeld-Stanton program analyzer entirely charming as a historical artifact, yet also extremely prescient in terms of understanding the public challenges of the contemporary moment. While variations of the program analyzer continue to be employed in audience and research and advertising research today, experience with quantifiable reactions have extended far beyond focus group participants, and the dilemmas around how to interpret and act on this information 
are no longer exclusive to institutionalized media production. In fact, they are increasingly inescapable in online life. What are the main implications of your research, and where do you see it going in the future? The analysis of technologies of evaluation highlights the limits of participation in participatory culture. While media technologies certainly facilitate new forms of affiliation, expression, collaboration, and circulation, such participation does not extend to direct engagement with the logics and values that undergird the assessment of human activity on platforms. You can, for example, change how you interact with platforms, but you can't at least with the big commercial ones, change how the platforms interact with you or with other people. As a result, a truly active stake in cultural production requires the extension of participation beyond digital platforms in order to determine what is valued by these systems and why, to develop shared norms for relating to these everyday evaluations, and to create collective ways of challenging systems of evaluation. What communication theory is the most useful for understanding social media? I know I literally came up with this question, but my answer is more of a concept than a theory, specifically the concept of parasocial interaction. This term was coined by Donald Horton and R. Richard Wool in 1957 to describe the kind of relationship form between audiences and media personalities, such as the host of a television game show. While parasocial interaction and related topics have been an enduring area of interest for media and communication researchers, what I find particularly interesting is that the concept has had a resurgence in the past few years among YouTubers, streamers, and everyday social media users to make sense of their own experiences online. People invoke the term in everyday talk, theorize the concept in video essays, and use it to make sense of the challenges and opportunities inherent to online interactions. And I think this transformation of the concept from academia to the broader public more than half a century after it was first coined, tells us something important about social media. But to be honest, I'm still figuring out what that is. Stay tuned for a new paper from CJ Reynolds and I for more answers. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by the Smart Family Institute. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to The SIP. You can find us at the Smart Institute website or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next episode, stay smart. Stay smart.